The Atlanta Braves eke out a win on Tuesday night to even up the series against the Mets. Thank you to some barrel action from Ozuna and Rosario, who stay high. We'll talk about that and just how great the Braves are at barreling up the baseball in 2023. We'll discuss that on today's episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports team each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. If you're new on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Also, if you're watching there, hit the thumbs up button as well to help support the show. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. I want to give a shout out to some of the everydayers here recently. Doc's Card says he's back on the everyday train. Appreciate that. Adam Dowd as well, or a regular part of the everyday gang, and Jonathan Ham. So thank you so much. If you're an everydayer, let me know down in the comment section below on YouTube. On today's episode, we'll talk about Tuesday's win over the Mets. A squeak one out there, not the best Played game, but they are able to get a win. We'll talk about Bryce Elder's performance, Ozuna and Rosario staying hot. And then our stat of the day Wednesday, it's another offensive stat that is just going to blow you away. It's another way of just looking at how good this offense is. But when you really break it down, it's just incredible to see the number of times they are barreling up a baseball this season and how much they are doing it better than the next closest opponent out there so we'll dive deeply into the barrel rate for the Braves this season then set you up for Wednesday's game with Charlie Morton what version are we going to get of him as the Braves try to win this series over the Mets but let's start with Tuesday's contest a three to two win over the Mets to even up that series they do eke out this one it's you know Braves aren't necessarily playing their their best right now it's uh, you know, a little bit more of what we saw coming out of the break. Although I will say, in this game particular, the Braves made the pitches they need to make to, to win this game and get out of some jams. They made the plays they needed to make. Austin Riley in particular in the ninth inning, a huge play. And, and I cannot stress how difficult that play is that Austin Riley made. May, you know, maybe just for the, the casual fan watching that game, maybe you don't realize how difficult that is. He had to charge that ball. That ball is typically a situation where you can do one of two things. Either you, you sit back on it and you're probably only going to get one out if that, and you play that you play that hop and you play the easy hop and you go back on it, or you do what Riley did, which is the extremely more difficult way to go about it. And you charge it, you backhand it on a short hop. I mean, you're, you're picking that. It's like a first baseman over there trying to, to pick a short hop. That's what Riley had to do, except he's doing it backhanded. And he does that to step on the bag at third and then throw across the first for a double play there in the ninth inning to help Iglesias get out of that jam. I cannot express to you again how difficult of a play that was and how huge of a play it was, potentially game-saving for the Braves there. I know Riley's struggling at the plate, but that play right there perhaps saved this game for the Braves. So that was a huge defensive play there by Austin Riley. And I saw some people on Twitter saying he should have gone to second and maybe you get the triple play. Go back and watch the replay. He had no shot at second base. Absolutely the right call there by Riley, not to mention his momentum going 
towards third base and into the third base dugout, it would have been nearly impossible for him to turn, make the throw to second to get the guy out there. So great play by Austin Riley. A big play there to help get Iglesias out of that jam and let the, allow the Braves to win that game and, and keep them uh, keep them from or from losing that game and from things getting out of hand there in the ninth inning. So that was a big play. But getting into the offensive side of things, offense still just kind of sluggish right now. Over nine with runners in scoring position. They had some chances in this game, but again, it comes down to the Ozuna and Rosario show. It continues. We're now going really on a week and a half, really the whole month of August, but particularly this last week and a half, it's mostly been Ozuna and Rosario in the lineup getting it done. You had Eddie with a two-run homer early on after Ozuna had reached. That gave the Braves an early 2-0 lead. He also made a couple of sliding catches coming in on balls in the past week. He made one on Tuesday. He made one over the weekend as well. So if Eddie can start doing that and he heats up like this at the plate, it's a whole different discussion in left field. So, uh, again, you know what he can do when he's hot. We talked about it a lot. For me, the problem has always been the defense, particularly this year. It just seems like so many balls had dropped in front of him that I feel like he could have gotten to or definitely Kevin Pillar or you know, more gifted defensive outfielder could have gotten to seeing him start to get to some of those balls. And it just seemed like earlier in the year, really in the middle part, he seemed uncomfortable and awkward sliding to make those catches coming in. But he was able to uh, here, like I said, the past couple of weeks, and that has been huge for Eddie, not to mention the offense that he's bringing. And then Ozuna with a solo shot later in the game. He goes three for three in this game with a walk. Got himself into some good fastball counts. So one thing I didn't talk about on yesterday's episode, you go back and give that a listen. We kind of broke down what's made Ozuna, what, what has sparked Ozuna's turnaround. Another thing I mentioned, I mentioned in there, he's really you know getting back to hunting fastballs and destroying fastballs this year. He still struggles with the off-speed pitches, but when he is going right this year, he's able to lay off those off-speed pitches, get himself in good fastball counts, and then he can sit on that fastball. And again, because he's got the timing back on those fastballs, he's able to square them up and do damage. And you saw that. On Tuesday night, I know he got a 3-1 count there a couple of times and, and roped some pitches. So that's another part of Ozuna's game that's gotten better this year. Again, when he's on, he's able to lay off those off-speed pitches out of the zone, get himself in good hitters counts, and then sit on those fastball pitches, and he's able to crush them. So that's something else you're seeing in Ozuna, Ozuna's game this year. Combined in August, Ozuna and Rosario they are 47 for 135. That's a 348 average with nine home runs, 11 doubles, and 29 runs batted in. Again, they're both just putting on a show this month after what happened in July where they combined to go 29 and 153. That's a 190 average. So combined, these two guys had a 190 average in July. They have a combined 348 average in August. So it's the ups and downs with Ozuna and Rosario. You got to live with them but when they're hot like they are right now again it's been a week and a half and they have been the primary contributors offensively for the Braves you look at the two through four hitters right now uh you know that's that's the guys that Ozuna and Rosario are picking up at the moment because they're not able to get it done Ozuna or Olsen rather has cooled off Riley's cooled off significantly uh Michael Harris at least in this series is struggling a good bit Ronald's still getting on base at the top but not being driven in the two through four hitters, they were one for 11 on Monday. Harris had a hit. Olsen walked a couple of times. But on Tuesday, they were a combined 0 for 13 with five 
strikeouts, one for 24 in this series. You just you can't have that with your two through four hitters. And the Braves have still managed to put up four and three runs, respectively, in those two games. But not too many lineups are going to have their two through four hitters go one for 24 in the first two games of a series and still be able to put some runs on the board like the Braves have. Again, it just speaks to the depth of this lineup. Michael Harris in particular on his bobblehead night, which typically bobblehead night you're supposed to have a good game, but it was not the case for Michael Harris. He looked completely lost on Tuesday night, and unfortunately he came up in some big spots with a chance to kind of break the game open, get some add-on runs, and was not able to come through. In particular, he struck out with runners on the corners with one out in the fourth inning. You had Lopez, who was on third, and Ronald on first, and he struck out in a wild pitch way outside the zone. Wasn't able to bring that runner in from third base there. And then Riley, who's been, like I said, cooled off here lately, wasn't able to come up with the two-out hit there to take advantage. The nine-hitter has two hits in each of these first two games of this series and hasn't scored. Again, that just, that just can't happen when the bottom of the lineup is getting on base like that, not to mention Acuna. He's been on base five times in these first two games, and he scored just once. It just speaks to the troubles of the two through four hitters in this series right now. You know they'll get it going, but again, it's just great that you have guys like Ozuna and Rosario and others in the middle part of this lineup that are able to pick those guys up when they are struggling as they are at the moment. As for Bryce Elder, five and a third, two hits, three walks, one earned run, uh, came on a home run and inherited runner when Pierce Johnson came into the into the game, and three strikeouts. I'll take that line from Bryce Elder. Five, just five whiffs on 42 swings, a Mets team that doesn't typically strike out a lot. Um, so not surprising. He didn't get a lot of swings and misses. 88.7 mile per hour a- average exit velocity is not great for Bryce Elder. Really came down to the, the fourth inning. And uh, look, this all started with a walk and a 3-2 count on a pitch clock violation. And I, I, I'm making this an excuse, but I've seen it throughout all of baseball this year. It seems like when there's a, a pitch clock violation, the pitcher gets frustrated by it. And it seems to affect them for at least the the rest of the inning. And that seemed to be a little bit of the case for Bryce Elder in this one. To me, at least, it looked like he started to speed things up after that. Also heard him say or saw him say a couple of times that he couldn't see. I don't know if he was saying he couldn't see the, the pitch clock timer. I don't know where exactly that is in the stadium. I can't see it on the TV screen, but... Uh, he you know, seemed like he was indicating that he couldn't see the pitch clock timer. And there were several at-bats in this game where he was coming up real close to the end of that pitch clock timer. So I, I don't know if that was an issue for him. And maybe that got in his head a little bit. Again, to me, it looked like he started to speed up his delivery a little bit. After that, maybe that led to some bad mechanics. And uh, you know, he started having some really deep counts, wasn't locating quite as well. After that, he did get a fortunate line out by McNeil after that pitch clock violation walk there he hit Alonzo which if you cheered for that shame on you please do not cheer when other players get hit uh, he walked Vogelbach to load the bases and then he struck out Stewart on a slider up in the zone that was a definite mistake pitch but he was able to get the strikeout and then got a fortunate another fortunate line out to escape so again a, a bit of luck involved for Elder in this game but he did also make the pitches and the defense behind him made the plays to get out of that jam. But that fourth inning in particular, again, I think it was a little set off by that pitch clock violation. Again, and we talked about this on the postcats. It's not like it was just it took it from a one-two count to a two-two count. 
that's a pitch clock violation that means a walk. Uh, you know, that's that's got to hurt a little bit, and that's got to make you a little upset and probably stick with you for a little bit. But you got to move past that. That's just that's the rule. It's the game. You got to be able to move on from that. But for me, at least, it looked like that started to affect him a little bit in his delivery, which perhaps led to, you know, some miss in location. After that, it was really just a lot of deep counts. In the fifth inning, it was a one, two, three, fifth, but he had a couple of full counts in there. And then he had Lindor 0-2. Two games in a row, the Braves have had Lindor 0-2 and made mistake pitches to him in the zone. Uh, he had Lindor 0-2 in the fifth through 91-mile-per-hour four-seamer right down the middle, and Lindor smacked it for a leadoff double. Then he fell behind McNeil 3-1 and before getting a weak comebacker. And then Snicker took him out of the game, which was the right decision. We talked about yesterday the decision to not take out Winans, that maybe he left Winans in a little bit longer than he should have. I thought this was the, the exact right time to take Bryce, Alder, Bryce, Bryce Elder out of this game. Of course, we're talking about the sixth inning here, so he's already kind of worked through what you would like for him to get through, getting through five innings. But I thought that was the exact right time, again, with all the deep counts that Elder had in this game some stressful pitches in that fourth inning, some long uh, at bats in that fifth inning, and then you know the leadoff double to start the sixth. So good time there to get out Elder out of that game. Unfortunately, Pierce Johnson came in, got a big strikeout of Alonzo on three curveballs, uh, but then left one up to Vogelback, who hit it out for the two-run home run. Uh, but overall, going back to Bryce Elder, I thought it was a solid outing. Look, he's your number four starter. Uh, you'll take five and a third of one-run baseball. Uh, so I thought it was another solid outing from Bryce Elder, who you know seems to be a little bit more on track here lately, more like himself. Bullpen closed this one out. Uh, I mentioned you know Pierce Johnson gives up his first runs as a reliever for the Braves, or his first run. Only one of them was charged to him. Curveball was sticking up a little bit in this one. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but certainly didn't work out in the Vogelback. Ed Battis, he left one up, and Vogelback, strong guy. And you give, you know, allow him to get barrel on that. Michael Harris almost robbed it. So it's not like it was a, a moonshot or anything. It was to center field, but Michael Harris almost got there, uh, but then got, got Stewart to strike out as well and some curveballs up in the zone. Um, again, not sure if that's intentional. I like the ones that he threw to Alonzo a lot better, uh, but again, was able to get a couple of strikeouts mixed in with that home run that he allowed. Jimenez breezed through the bottom of the Mets order. I thought Minter looked a little bit better in this one. He gave up the hit to McNeil. You're going to have to live with McNeil slapping the ball the other way. He's going to get his hits. Uh, missed with Minter missed with his location some, but again, I thought it was a better outing for Minter. And then Iggy looked shaky in this one. I really had no confidence in Iglesias. It looked like the changeup wasn't really working for him. The Mets were seeing him really well. Obviously, a four-pitch walk to start the inning is never a good way to start things, but defense bailed him out in this one. Again, wasn't a great game for the Braves, but give them credit. They made the plays. They made the pitches. They made the swings that they had to make to win this game, and that's what you need to see. When maybe you're not playing your best baseball, you're still able to sneak out some wins like they did. One thing this Braves team has been great at all year, though, offensively, is barreling up the baseball on our stat of the day Wednesday. I'm going to tell you just how great they are and how they lead the league by a wide margin in barreled up baseballs. We'll discuss that next. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. 
You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Braves and the Mets will wrap up their three-game series on Wednesday starting at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. For the rest of this week, we have our Thursday through the league segment coming up tomorrow and then our mailbag podcast on Friday. So we'll be looking out for that. But it is Wednesday, so we'll do our stat of the day Wednesday segment here. And look, there's a lot of analytics out there. They all pretty much tell you the same thing that you can see with your own eyes, but it is just pretty incredible to look at some of these things, especially with this Braves offense, to see just how unbelievable they are this year. And so our stat of the day is 391 barrels. That is how many barreled baseballs the Braves have this year, and that is by far the most in all of baseball. Just for a quick definition, this is defined on MLB.com's glossary. A barrel is defined as a well-struck ball where the combination of exit velocity and launch angle generally leads to a minimum 500 batting average and 1,500 slugging percentage the barrel zone is an area that begins at 98 miles per hour between 26 and 30 degrees and expands outward from there the higher the speed of the ball the wider the range of launch angle exists for a ball to be considered a barrel at 99 miles per hour and up for example between 25 degrees and 31 degrees is barreled at 100 miles per hour and above batted balls between 24 and 33 degrees will all, always be considered a barrel and so on, expanding as the balls get hit harder. So basically, the harder the ball is hit, the more that launch degree angle expands to be considered a batted ball. Those types of batted ball events produce a minimum average of 500 and 1,500 slug, but generally, overall average for those type of barrel balls events is well over 800 with a slug near 3,000. So when you're barreling up a baseball, our odds are you are not only just getting a hit, you're doing a lot of damage. And the Braves have 391 barreled baseball events this year. Bottom line, barreling up a baseball is really good, and the Braves do it better than anyone. The Dodgers have the second most barrels this year at, 300, at 309. I mean, the Braves have almost 100 more barrels than the second best team this year it's just insane again it's another stat that just tells you you know you can look at the home run numbers and you can see the Braves hit home runs better than anybody but when you really you know break it down you see it's no fluke Braves are barreling up baseballs at an extremely high rate the Braves also led all of baseball last year with 439 barrels a number they're likely going to blow past this year the Yankees had 411 last year and the Dodgers had the third most with 388 the Braves already have more barrels this year than the third place team from last year their 12 percent barrel rate so the percentage of times that the Braves barrel of a baseball which is 12 percent of the time 
That's also tops. The Twins are second best at 10.3. Last year, the Braves led with a barrel rate of 10.9 percentage. So, again, they're up 1% from last year in their barrel rate. Now, looking at individual players, this is among qualified players. Otani leads all of baseball with 66 barrels. Again, you don't need to look at barrel rate to know that Shohei Otani is one of the most dangerous hitters in all of baseball. But now that you know what qualifies or as a as a barreled baseball, it's pretty interesting to see. Otani has done that 66 times this year. Olsen has the second most with 61, and Ronald's third with 60. Again, makes sense with what you know about those players. They account for 31% of the Braves' teams barreled up baseball. So uh, Olsen and Acuna doing a lot of the work. But again, it's up and down the lineup. Riley ranks 13th with 47. Ozuna 17th with 45. Ozzy is 46th with 34. So that's five players right there for the Braves in the top 50 in barreled baseball. Rosario ranks 71st with 28. Arcia ranks 94th with 22. So seven guys in the top 100 in all of baseball among qualified hitters in barrels and number of barrels. And you switch that to percentage and the percentage of times that a player barrels up a baseball. Otani leads with 20.3%. Olsen is next with 18.4%. Ozuna is 11th with 15.6%. We talked a lot about Ozuna yesterday, the changes that he's made, you know, hunting those fastballs, and he's not missing them this year. And you can see that as he's 11th among all qualified hitters in barrel percentage at 15.6%. Acuna ranks 20th at 14%. Riley 27th at 12.7%, Rosario 52nd at 10.3%. So Rosario, you know, not a lot of the bats this year and somewhat of of a platoon, although the Braves haven't faced a lot of lefties. He barrels up a baseball 10.3% of the time. You know, with all his struggles and everything, he still is barreling up baseballs at a good rate. Albies ranks 64th at 8.9%, and Arcia is 81st at 7.6%. So, again, when you look at it percentage-wise, the Braves are even better with seven guys in the top 81 in all of baseball. And Murphy doesn't qualify, but he has 38 barrels on the season and a 17% barrel rate. So I know he's been struggling a lot here lately, but for the most part this season, Murphy has been right there with the rest of this group at barreling up baseballs at a really high rate. So, again, you can look at the home run numbers. You can look at the slugging percentage. They're all going to tell you the same thing. But I think it's pretty interesting and cool to know when you look at, you know, it's no fluke here. The Braves are finding the barrel of the baseball. And I think another cool part about this is that it's not like it's a boomer bust offense anymore. That's, you know, been kind of one of my frustrations with the offenses in the past. Yeah, they've hit their home runs, but it's been a lot of, you know, three true outcomes and it's been a lot of strikeouts, walks and home runs. This year they've cut down on their strikeouts and you know they're bottom 10 in the league with the fewest number of strikeouts or top 10, however you want to look at that. They're not striking out nearly as much and they're still barreling up baseballs at a, you know, historic type of rate. So it's just truly incredible that they're able to do all that. It's not just a lot a bunch of guys up there swinging out of their shoes. You look at you look at Acuna and what he does, and a lot of times he does this, you know, in the first inning. He does it in any inning, but you, you saw it in the first inning last night where he's just shooting a ball the other way, and that's a barreled baseball that he's hitting extremely hard at over 100 miles per hour, and he's just shooting it the other way. 
He had one later in the game as well at 114 miles per hour. I mean, uh, this team is just incredible what they do offensively. It's incredible. Again, we're talking about seven, eight hitters if you're adding in Murphy that are you know top 100 in the league in barreled up baseballs. And we said earlier, you know, we talked about it when you're barreling up a baseball, you know, you got pretty much on average an 800 batting average when you're doing that. So it's just, again, it's another way to kind of look at the offense and the historic pace that they're on and how they're getting it done. And I just think it's a real credit to them. I think it's a real philosophy that the Braves preach over there and Kevin Seitzer and that coaching staff, because you look at Dansby Swanson and Freddie Freeman, who are really good hitters in their own right, but they come through that brave system. And even you look at them this year with the Cubs and the Dodgers, and they're in the top 30, top 50 when it comes to barrel and barrel percentage as well. So I think a lot of that is just Braves philosophy. And, you know, I don't know how much you can necessarily teach this. I think a lot of this is just, uh, you know, skill induced, but certainly the Braves are are doing something and preaching something different. And I think Arcia is a, a great example of that as somebody who, wasn't necessarily considered a much of a power hitter in Milwaukee. He comes over to Atlanta and now he's 81st in all of baseball and barrel barrel percentage. He's 94th with 22 barrels this year. And that's, you know, with missing a, you know, good chunk of time earlier in the season. So I think there is some sort of philosophy. There's some sort of mechanical changes that the Braves and Kevin Seitzer are preaching over there to help these guys get to the barrel a lot more. I think another part of it is just knowing the pitchers and studying them. And knowing what pitch is coming, perhaps, or at least having a good idea without cheating uh, of what pitch is coming and how pitchers are going to attack them. I think a lot of that goes into watching video and homework, which they talk about, you know, at least they've said a lot with Okuna. He's done a lot more work of that this year as well. So, again, this offense is great. You know how fantastic they are. But I thought this is just another fun way to kind of look at that and see just how often they are barreling up baseballs. It truly is fun to watch, and it's pretty fun to look at as well when you break it down stats-wise and just how much better they're doing it than every team in baseball. All right, next, I'll set you up for game three where the Braves will be facing off against Jose Quintana, who's been really good since coming back from injury, and what version of Charlie Morton will we get this time around? We'll see on Wednesday night. And it will be the Braves and the Mets again on Wednesday night at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Braves. Pitching matchup for Wednesday night will be Jose Quintana versus Charlie Morton. And Quintana's been really good. He was a you know supposed to be a big part of that rotation this year behind Scherzer and Verlander and those guys, Senga in the rotation, but he's injured for most of the season, but since coming back, six games started a 3.03 ERA, a 1.26 whip. He's gone at least six innings in his last five starts and given up three earned or less. So he's been a, a quality start machine. Now you break down those outings a little bit, and perhaps there's been some luck involved there. Just 25 strikeouts in 35 and two thirds innings, 14 walks in those last six starts, but just one Home run allowed. He does a great job keeping the ball on the ground with that sinker. That's his. That is his primary pitch. So, Braves, you know, hitters looking to get the ball up. Uh, you see it up in the zone. Probably going to be some sort of heater. You're looking for it down. Probably getting some sort of off speed there. So, uh, hopefully the Braves can take advantage of that, and hopefully that they can have a little bit more luck 
and put up some runs against Jose Quintana, who, again, has done a great job of limiting runs and going deep in his outings. As for Charlie Morton, seven walks the last time he faced the match just a couple of weeks ago, but his last time out against the Yankees, one walk and ten strikeouts. Which version of Charlie Morton are we going to get? Both of those were, were shutout outings uh, where he didn't give up a run, but which version are we going to get? The, the wildly effective one or the highly effective one? Hopefully we get an effective one from Charlie Morton. Want to see him get on a roll here, get that command, get that release point down that he's really been fighting with. Want to see him get some consistency here. So hopefully we see that from Charlie Morton this time around. Hopefully he doesn't walk seven batters this time against the Mets, and hopefully – he puts up some more zeros. We'd love to see that on Wednesday night as the Braves try to go ahead and win this series over the Mets the last time they'll face the Mets this season. And that'll happen on Wednesday night at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. And again, it'll be Charlie Morton versus Jose Quintana. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 